how do we do a normal one again? I know. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's like, hmm, how does one do this again? Well, we're back on it at least. We are back on it at least. Um, yeah. Do you want me to do like warning up front? Yeah, I guess that's a good way to open the show. I, I always think it's good to warn them about stuff. Um, just because filmmaker we're talking about tonight and a movie we're talking about tonight. <laughs> yeah. Both oh, yeah. Very similar. Whoa, weary traveler. If you're hearing me, Tyler's voice at the start of an episode, then you know that there might be bad things ahead. So just so you know, just a quick warning up top. One of the movies we're talking about tonight features a pretty awful S.A. scene. And a filmmaker we're talking about tonight is also... A no good, d- d- low down bad guy. So, you know, discussion of those topics might happen. And if you don't want to listen to that, then we'll see you next time. All right, on with the show. Hey, aren't you famous French pervert Luc Besson? Oui, oui, I am Luc Besson. <laughs> Look how disgusting I am. I probably smell of wine. I smell of white wine and cheddar cheese. Alright, that's that's a good enough opening for the show. God, loop the song. What a perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Well, we'll get to it. End of your movie. Now you want more. Now you want more. All your insides Welcome, everybody, to TWGTFers. Everybody knows it from Japan to France. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, Ben. And I'm Tyler. How are you, my guy? Good. I am fucking exhausted. Yeah, me too. If I have to hear one more old bitty ask for 80 for Brady, I'm going to V-trigger them back to the 1920s. Oh, man. 80 for Brady sounds insane. I'm not kidding you. It was the most popular movie today. Like, absolutely. We're recording this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I think it might unseat Avatar finally for like the number one spot at the box office. After I many weeks. don't think that's true. I think it's going to be one of those very popular during eleven to three. <laughs> I had like every condescending old woman in Reno and Sparks must have come to our theater today, and they were like, "Can you guess what we're gonna see?" And I was like infinity pool and like i just i because it's like i can't be like i can't be a dick to them but i'm just gonna guess the most non-movie that they're gonna go see and like no we're going to 80 for brady and it's like great cool you know they're making fun of your generation and your gender in that movie right like you know that's what's happening right like this is not a joke for you it's a joke on you but luckily 80 for brady is not the best thing I saw this week, but I'm actually even more curious to know what the best thing you saw this week is. That's that's a very that's a very good question. The best thing I saw this week is definitely a thing I have on the tip of my tongue and not something I'm currently looking up. Okay, do you want? Um, I've seen a lot of stuff recently. 
um, since the last time we've done this. And so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some, some potential picks. Do you want some Tyler shit? Uh, that's kind of bordering on stuff that he thinks Ben might like, but definitely more art house Goonie. Or do you want a semi-classic 80s thriller? Or do you want one of the best movies of the 90s? Something that you think I'd like, but right. it's still bordering on on being an art house goon. Yes, this is definitely some art house game shit. Um, I watched two movies of Claude Chabot. I've actually watched like five of his movies in the past week or so. Uh, actually, six. I had some. I had some free time, and so I was just watching a lot of movies. So I watched six of his, and the two that are tied for this one are from 1999 and from 2000. And there's, of course, The Color of Lies and Nightcap, also known by its French title. Mercy pour la chocolate. And both movies are kind of completely different. Nightcap is about a woman who is slowly poisoning the family that she's married into. She was originally the first wife of a very famous pianist. Um, and she has come back to make his life a living hell. Great movie. Great little little pop boiler of a thriller. And The Color of the Lies is kind of the opposite. It is kind of, you know the movie The Hunt? From like 2015, 14? The Mads Mikkelsen movie? Yes. I have not seen that movie, but I know of it. You know the, you know the plot, right? I No, I actually don't think I do. Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm about to spoil the plot of uh, okay. The Hunt. It's okay. Because it's very similar to The Color of Lies. Uh, it takes place in a small town. A 10-year-old girl is found murdered. And her art teacher, who's a professional painter who teaches art on the side, was the last person to see her alive. So the town and inspector are both like kind of seeing, being like, he's a little interesting. He might have done it. I really enjoyed these movies because the plot that I've described is very thriller oriented, but the movies really take their god damn time and it's it's kind of lovely mm. both of them have that like noir edge of your seat plot description but the movie is much more about like establishing character and place and like investigating why these things have happened both very good movies both very enjoyable i definitely I, i'm making them sound more heady than they are especially the color of lies it feels very just like 90s thriller, you know? I, I oh, don't know if sure. I can describe it any better than that. And what year was it made, actually? 1999 and 2000. Um, they both oh, feel so the, Oh, so these are recent movies. This sounded much older. Fairly recent. Charbroil yeah. is a director dating back to, like, the 50s. This is sort of his, like, late period stuff. Wow. Um, both of them just feel like movies for adults. Huh. Like, well, there you go. Definitely thought-provoking stuff in it that you wanna you wanna you can pull out. But I think a person who just likes movies can appreciate them as well. Oh, I might have to look into these. They're good. They're both on yeah. Arrow. A bunch of his movies are on Arrow, and I'm currently making my way through a lot of his filmography because I have yet to have one really miss. Well, there you go. Interesting. Okay. I might have to look into this guy. 
Okay, I'm going to give you the same thing, but different categories. Do you want one of the best movies of the 90s? Or do you want the front runner for best movie of the year so far for me now? Or do you want two movies that are nominated for Oscars that are, in my opinion, just pure Oscar bait? What are the years for these movies? For the so, 90s movies, it's not, it's 92 and 97. And obviously the two movies from last year are 2022. And then obviously mm-hmm. the movie for this year is 2023. Okay, let's, let's go with the, the 90s one. Okay. Well, I watched two movies last week for my list, just checking stuff off. And I watched... Death Becomes Her, which is great. If you guys have never seen Death Becomes Her, what a fun little ride that is. But more importantly, and it just edged it out just briefly, I watched The Ice Storm, which I gotta tell you, that is a perfect movie. That's a brutal movie to watch. It is a brutal movie to watch, but it's so well done. And honestly, too, I've developed a new impression. I just gotta get an orange, like, big jacket, and I can do my Elijah Wood impression. (laughs) Don't get too good at that impression. No. Well, I mean, like, you know, you only can do it in a certain amount of time. Yeah, you can only do it. Well, I mean, you only really do the grand finale once. Yeah, exactly. People people don't take to it too well after that. The Ice Storm is incredible. It's amazing. It's a great how movie. Well, yeah, it really is. Like, I think what I wrote is that Ang Lee taps into an extremely screwed up look at the 70s. And nicely does this by doing nothing more than just giving you an honest, unvarnished look at what was going on at the time. Yeah, it's a lot of bad feels, the movie. It's one of those movies where it's just like you kind of look at it and you're like, man, that's great. And then you like you do some research and you're like, no wonder this movie wasn't popular at the box office. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you look and you're just like, hmm, somehow made negative one hundred dollars. Really, it did. It did really poorly. Um, wow, that's that's Im- um, wow, that's impressive. That's um, not like super poorly, not as bad as um. He had a western movie. I think it's like Ride the Black Horse or something like that. Um, Ride with the Devil, that like barely got released and only made like a million dollars at the box office. But the Ice Ice Storm, I think. It I think barely, this is the best movie. It's it's more it's up there. I think it barely made all of its money back, and I think the only awards thing it got was Sigourney Weaver for Best Actress. She's really good in it too. Like my girl was getting tired, and then we put it on, and about fifteen minutes in, she's like, "Oh man, this is so good." And I'm like, "Yeah, this is really enjoyable." And I would say the only thing that top the ice storm this week in terms of an experience for me i think you know this but i started working at the theater and i gotta tell you almost nobody there from what i can tell actually likes movies which is weird (laughs) i know it's so weird but there's this one kid named ryan who i've only worked with twice but he's like the nicest guy in the world i think he might be like 22 and we were talking behind snack bar and, and like we were talking about something and I was like, oh, so like we were talking about Infinity Pool. And I'm like, oh, you like movies? He goes, yeah. He goes, that was part of the attraction to this job. And I said, I said, OK, I said, this will this will give us an answer to see how much or what we can talk about. I said, what's your favorite movie? And he's like the thing. And I was like, oh, brother, man, give it right here. And like we high fived. And, and he's like, 2000. 
Yeah. Oh no, no. I, I was like, I was like, and then I almost did be like, which one? And he goes, and then he was like, he goes, Carpenter, man. I'm like, he's so good, right? And he goes, he really is. And I said, okay. I said, what else of Carpenter have you seen? He goes, I haven't actually seen a lot. And I looked him dead in the eye. I'm like, have you seen Prince of Darkness? And he goes, no, what's that? What's that? And I'm like, I said, I'll tell you what that is. It's a movie you're going to borrow from me in return in the same condition, but you're going to get it tomorrow. So he's getting that movie tomorrow when I see him because he's like, he was deeply into thing. I was like, I was like, so you haven't seen the other parts of the apocalypse trilogy. And he goes, what's that? I'm like, well, there's the thing Prince of darkness and in the mouth of madness. And he goes, no, I haven't seen the other two. I said, Oh dude, we're going to hook you up with Ben flicks. And he's like, he goes, what is Ben flicks? I'm like, it's just basically me giving you DVDs and you returning them. And it was quite nice to just talk to someone of a, of a younger generation who was also just like into the kind of the movies I'm into. So if you really want to screw up a kid, Tyler, start like recommending stuff. I, you know, my, I'm in flux. So I'm looking for a new movie kid. I had a movie kid for like five seconds to recommend things to. And then work got dumb. And so now I work somewhere else. <laughs> With the same Wait, are you company, not working so. at are you oh okay no no i work at the same company i don't i don't work at the same store oh someone decided they wanted to oh, so now i work at a different oh wow oh wow jesus bleep all of that out oh i will yeah that's gonna be okay. one long bleep just cut but just yeah cut it out. so the ice storm yeah yeah so the ice storm and Nightcap and the color of lies. Those do sound like great art house names. The color of lies is like a great name. Um, the French name for nightcap is Merci pour le chocolat, which is, I believe, oh, there you go. thank you. Please more chocolate or I've heard of that chocolate. movie. Something like that. Yes. I've heard of that movie. I wonder it's where great. I heard that from. It's great. Huh? What was the one that Nathan always had as like his art house movie name? Blue Hour was one of them. And then Ooh. I think the other one he had was The Harbinger. Harbinger. Harbinger is just a great yeah. name in general. It really is. It really should be a wrestler called The Harbinger. And he never wrestles. He always just like brings out someone else to attack them. Uh, yeah. It's just it's The Harbinger sounds like a guy that fucking... Who's that little guy with the with the big megaphone? Oh, Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart. The Harbinger sounds like something that Jimmy Hart would call himself. Like he's going to be the Harbinger of Hulkamania's doom or something. His name should just be Jimmy Hartbinger. Jimmy Harbinger. I like that. I like that. Harbinger feels very Memphis wrestling. It does feel like very Memphis wrestling. You'd just be like, well, here we are. And speaking of places we got to go, we got to we got to get on a tiny little boat, head across the sea to Japan as I introduce our first movie. We're back on my movies, and Tyler picked a just a couple of couple of wild movies with just a couple of wild ladies doing action. And I don't know if you know this, guys, but she's back, back again. Miko Kaji's back. Tell a friend, and she this time is playing the titular character of a strikingly beautiful young woman who is trained from birth to be a deadly instrument of revenge against swindlers who destroyed her family and ruined her lives. That's right, guys. From 1973. Directed by Toshiha Fujiati and starring once again Miko Kaji in the titular role. This is Lady Snowblood.
ਸੁਖੀ ਨਾ ਸੁਖੀ ਤੇ ਮੈਂ ਨਾ ਜੁੰਦਾ ਅਸਕਸਾ ਸਿੰਧੂ ਕਾਇਮ ਤੋਜਿਵੇ ਸ਼ਿਵਾਯਮ ਗਿੰਜੋ ਤੇ ਸਿਤਨ ਗੁਦਗਾ そいつを頼んだ奴の名を吐かせろい。あ、誰に頼まれてこの芝剣を狙う。Watching this movie and when the credits first kick off and that song starts playing, it was so nice finally to know after years of watching Kill Bill what that song actually was saying. <laughs> Does he just does he does he use the the whole song wholesale? It's, it's the exact same song. That's like it's crazy. literally the last scene at the end of volume one where she grabs Sophie, puts her in the trunk, and then like it ends as she kicks Sophie down that hill. Tarantino. <laughs> hey man, if you're gonna rip off, why don't you rip off the best things you can? That's true. We have actually. And let's seen be honest, two... the opening of this movie. The opening of this movie is incredible. Um, yeah. What a thing to rip off. Before we dive headfirst into the movie, I do want to say we've seen two movies starring the wonderful, the lovely, the deadly Miko Kaji. We have. We have. We saw Female Prisoner 701, mm-hmm. uh, codenamed Scorpion. And we also watched, it was the exact same week we watched Female Prisoner 701. What is the other one? Blind Woman's Curse. Blind Woman's Curse. That's right. For some reason, is... the one I can't remember as well. It's a because it's a weird movie. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get it's back very to Toroishi. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, we will. And I gotta tell you, as I was sitting through this movie, Tyler, I was sitting there and I was like, man, this this just like I know I haven't seen this before, but this looks so damn familiar. And I was like, maybe it's like, maybe it's like I just I've seen clips of it somewhere, and I kept looking, and I was like, no. And then I just started doing some subtle Googling. And I was like, huh. And I was like, who did the shooting for this movie? And I'm like, Masaki Tamura, what the hell have you done? And then all of a sudden I looked and I'm like, oh, you did Evil Dead Trap. Okay, cool. That's, that's <laughs> great. This, is, this movie whips. Uh, he also did Tampopo, which is another movie that looks beautiful. Incredible cinematography. I've, I mean, Evil Dead Trap, great movie. Recommend it. Definitely uh google it and look at some of the warnings before you watch it but a beautiful looking movie um this movie beautiful looking movie tom popo 
another beautiful looking movie. I he's got an eye for it. Yeah, he really does. He understands how to mix violence with just like the absolute like beauty of it and just make it just seem so kinetically alive. He also did Eureka, oh. which is a a beautiful looking movie. I know I've said beautiful multiple times, but it's it's black and white. Um definitely art house noon shit. It's like three hours long. I don't think I've seen anything else he's done as a cinematographer. So what's Lady Snowblood about? Okay. All right. It's based on a manga. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's based on a manga of the same name by the guy who wrote Lone Wolf and Cub. Have you heard of Lone Wolf and Cub? I, I know the premise of Lone Wolf and Cub, yeah, but I've never, I, I don't think I've actually seen any of it. Similarly to Lady Snowblood and also similar to Miko Kaji's other film series, Female Prisoner 701. It was adapted into, I think, like five movies. They're all on Criterion. Criterion released the whole thing many years ago. No, I know, but most of Criterion is on HBO. So That's true. And it, Lone Wolf and Cub's original manga served as inspiration to Road to Perdition, the best Sam Mendes movie, which is also based on a graphic novel. Anyway. I have ADHD. That's why you. That's why I had to say all that. Anyway, <laughs> he wrote another shorter manga of the same name called Lady Snowblood, and the guy who wrote the screenplay for this movie, someone at Toho, I think it was the guy who wrote the screenplay for this movie. I could be wrong. Read the manga and was like, "We gotta, we gotta, we gotta adapt this." Producer Kikumaru Okuda, who wanted to make a movie with. Miko Kaji. He adapted Lady Snowblood. All right, all of that out of the way. It is a movie in which a woman gives birth in prison to Lady Snowblood, who is a what are they what's the name of the thing? Yuki. Is that it? A a Yuki? Oh, oh, what is the thing she calls her? It's like She's, a demon. It's like it's like an it's like it's, an and like an Amaranar or something like that. Shura is a nod to the Buddhist path of Asura, which is a devout follower who is prepared to kill. So she's basically born and trained into be this killing machine because and you learn this movie's not in chronological order. Her mother, who was in prison for murder, because she murdered a couple people because she got attacked and assaulted and her family was murdered. And so she killed a couple of people, got arrested uh, in prison. This is the backstory to Lady Snowblood. In prison, she slept with like all of the guards that she could, got pregnant, and then essentially like had a baby in order to make her a killing machine. And I must say right now, that's a lot of pressure to put on a five minute old. That is a lot of pressure to put on a five minute old. Yeah. To be like to to birth someone, look at them and be like, you gotta you gotta kill. Yeah. Like look, here's here's not 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 that these people did anything to you, but they killed your older brother who you never met. They killed your who would have been your father. 
And essentially, now I'm dying, so you got to take up a sword, go find, essentially, your version of Pai Mei, and then go slice up these some bitches who killed it. Which, by the way, another shot you talk about that just ripped off, the shot of all four of them standing over her is just the same shot from Kill Bill. Like, when the deadly oh, vipers much. are standing over. It's so, it's yeah. so funny. There's so many shots where you're just like, you, you weren't even attempting to hide it. <laughs> I don't Hands think crossed. you wanted to. <laughs> I don't no, even I don't think, think he wanted to. I mean, I I Christ's think... sakes, it wouldn't surprise me if he stole the same fucking outfit from the Japanese film museum just to give to Lucy Liu to wear. I mean, I think it's the exact same fucking outfit. It's designed fairly similar. It's good, though. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, this movie fucking rocks. Yeah, this movie rules. I don't think that was a question uh, up in the air, no. whether or not it was going to be good. <laughs> but this movie fucking goes so hard it really does and i'll tell you this too it was weird i like i do this thing now and i'm trying not to do it as much where like i'll look at the time left on it because like i'm usually having to leave or go do something and i was sitting there and like i click on it and i'm like okay like the one guy's dead she got the other guy the other dude died in a shipwreck there's 20 minutes left like the fuck more revenge does she need? Are we just going to watch her like live her life? And then it twists on you and it's like, oh no, there's still more revenge to get. No, 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 no. There's more, there's more revenge. <laughs> yeah. There's always going to be more revenge. It is butt fucking wild. We're going to get to it. But man, that last few minutes. <laughs> Holy Christ. Oh my movie. God. You've never seen this, right? No, I bought this as like a blind buy during like Barnes and Noble sale once. And I was like, ah, I've heard of Lady Snowblood. That's the movie that Tarantino like ripped a lot off of for Kill Bill. I said, and it comes with another movie too, which I did not watch this week. I meant to, and I'm assuming it's probably the best thing to pair it with before we get there. I just kind of like was like, yeah, you know what? I'll get to this eventually. And then this year happened where I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch everything in my collection. And you pick this. And I was like, fuck it. Let's watch Lady Snowblood. Which actually it probably means we can just do another Lady Snowblood 2 down the road. So I might not even watch it soon. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, let's probably get back to this. Uh, just a quick little sidebar. There's three movies playing at the end of February on 35. Um, one of them's Ghost Dog. Definitely going to that. Yeah. Uh, the other two are Grease Lightning and Truck Turner. Have you heard of either of those? To make a joke that almost no one will know. I've heard of Trick Turner. Uh, and grease lightning no i've never heard of either of those okay okay well i was probably gonna go to those two if i had the money but just wanted to see but you're if going you to go you're going to ghost dog way of the samurai definitely, definitely going to ghost dog way of the samurai that's gonna kidding? be so good that's gonna be so good like that uh, movie's good to begin with but imagine that just like hearing the sound of the film playing holy shit that's gonna sound good I didn't want to flex. I just wanted to know if you if you knew either of those movies. I did not know. If I wanted to flex, I would say that I'm going to see Eraserhead on 35mm tomorrow. That's pretty cool. I'm going to go see Knock at the Cabin on digital. So, you know. Damn it. Oh, fuck. Shit. I still have to see that. Yeah, I know. Well, we'll talk about it next week. I'm sure you'll have seen it by then. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. People were like at work all dry ran it and I'm just I'm too old. I'm just like they were like, you could have come to the dry run. I was like, that's a young man's game. I'm not doing that. 
And they were like, I was like, what did you all think of it? They're like, I don't know. We all thought it was kind of slow. And I was like, okay, we're not the same people. Are you people, fucking obviously. serious? I've heard it's too fast. It's a hundred minutes. Like, how I'm can like, it be fucking how slow? How is it too slow? I don't know. These are fucking millennials who are fucking looking at TikTok all the time. Like, that's hey. what these people are. Hey. No, 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 not not in the same. You know what I mean? You're not one of them. I'm sorry. You're not. I know you were born at the same time as them, but you're not them. You're not the same person. These, I'm You know what 30. I mean? These are, these are. Yeah, I know you're 30. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm saying, like, you're not the same as these type of people who are like, you my phone. Bit, 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 bit. It's like it's like fucking watch a movie. Like, watch a real movie. Huh? Like, don't don't just sit there and just absorb, like, the Marvel bull crap. Like, I got to tell you, man, I'm so fucking done with mainstream movies in some ways. Like, I don't know if it's your <laughs> fault or whatever it is, but it's just like. Ooh. Welcome everything to the now, club. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of already there. Like, I was like, I was like a I was like a casual member who just keeps forgetting to pay his dues. But like more so every time when someone just brings up like, oh, you you want to go see uh, this or this? It's like, fuck off. Fuck off with your mainstream shit. And not saying all mainstream shit is bad. I'm not. Like, some of it's really good. Like, Avatar is totally mainstream, and that movie fucking works. But it's just like, I can't stand movies where it's like, you know they're talking down to you, right? Like, you know that. Like, yeah. I had a problem with Star Wars, where it was like multiple times, like something would happen, and then someone would like look at the camera and be like, well, that, like, explaining what happened. I'm like, I know what happened. Like, I... I know this is a movie for a six-year-old, but you don't have to treat me like I'm six. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm, like, and the, the biggest thing is I knew how the two the two or three people I was talking to, how I knew that, like, they weren't watching, like, the movie, the, the, the they weren't watching Knock at the Cabin the way I know I'm going to watch it. They're like, well, we didn't like old, and it's like, well, you're fucking wrong there. All right. Sorry. Like, um, this, conversation's old, this conversation is over. Yeah, and it's getting old. And then I get pulled pulled in the office for being too aggressive, and it's like I'm just trying to be passionate about movies. Isn't that what we're trying to fucking sell here? I should have the piece that made me old. I was I was like M Night Shyamalan is the king of the one sentence premise. I don't care what anyone says. Y'all can say you don't like a movie. You're technically correct, but you can't deny that that man can walk into a room and be like, people go to a beach and it just starts making them old. And it's like, fuck, give them all the money. Yeah, what if a beach makes them old? Perfect. Yeah, movie. I assume this That's one is. What if someone films. knocks at a cabin and it's well, like, it's fuck yeah. Over, so, oh well. What if someone knocks at a cabin and then he just throws the book at them and they're like, ooh. But back to it. So Miko Kaji's character is just this fucking <laughs> killing machine, and she's got to cut through everybody to get her revenge. Sometimes, very literally. Holy God, when she cuts through that one person, literally. That is that is, that is absolutely nuts. <laughs> When I posted my my thing to Instagram, because every movie I watch, I post to Instagram with like a star rating and everything. That picture was one of the 10 pictures. And then I changed it to another one because I'm like, I'm pretty sure Instagram will just take this down immediately. <laughs> Instagram's going to be like, nah, we're good. <laughs> we can't justify it, Ben. I'm sorry. We, we love your passion. We love that you post here every day, but not that one. This movie... I love this movie. I had seen it before. It's like one of those movies where you watch it, you go, this is amazing. And then all of the plot immediately leaves your head. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that when I rewatched it, I was like, right. I knew like the overarching themes, but like, I, I just forgot how everything played out. Well, what's brilliant about a movie like this is 
you don't need to. Re- it's actually good that you don't remember the subtle little brush strokes as opposed Absolutely. to like the big bold brush strokes. The big bold brush strokes are all you need to know. You need to know that Miko Kaji is Lady Snowblood. Her mother was fucking attacked. She fucked a bunch of guys in prison. She had Miko Kaji and was like, you got to go kill all these people. And then Miko Kaji is going to go kill them. It's the little shit you don't remember, like the fact that, A, this is a perfect example of a movie where it's like revenge does not actually fill the hole that's inside of you, number one. Number two, all the people she encounters to get revenge on, where they are after it, too. That's another thing he rips off is like the post-game show for all the people in Kill Bill is like the same thing. Pretty much, yeah. Like the guy whose daughter is going to sell baskets and is like throwing them off the cliff. That's just Bud. From from Kill Bill. You're right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Minus a daughter. Yeah. So much of this movie, I I think, is... I don't know. This movie is just really fucking good. Like, there's... Yeah. It's probably the best... Like, if someone was to be like, hey, what's, like, a good... I'm not going to say pink film because I don't think it is really a pink film, but like that realm of like Japanese filmmaking, like if they want an into like the Japanese exploitation specifically of like the seventies, I would say lady snowblood is an excellent place to start because it just, it does what it says on the tin and it does it fucking immaculately. Number one, there's no holding back on the brutality as well. And just, when it goes up, the thing is, too, it's not like it's brutal the whole time, but when he chooses to make it brutal, he is just once again proving the fact that. And I, I got to tell you, man, not that I think anyone should be grateful that they're not born a certain way, but the fact that I'm not Japanese and I don't have like those kind of veins in me, like I got to say, I'm stoked on that. I don't even know how those people deal with like like just pricking their finger. <laughs> we should all be thinking the guy that accidentally shot. Just so much blood on the set of Kurosawa's, I think. Was it Throne of Blood? It's either Throne of Blood or Yojimbo. But one of them, they have a duel. And the guy gets sliced and the dude hit the wrong button. And just sent all of the blood that he was plotted for every take that they were going to do in one go. (laughs) And he was like... I'm so fired. I this is the most fired anybody's ever been. And Kurosawa just came over. It's like that was great. That was amazing. That was incredible. I love that you just you just sent it all at once. <laughs> like that looked so good. He's he just Kurosawa was just giggling to himself, and everyone else just starts to laugh kind of nervously, and then they all realize it's genuine. It's pretty fucking incredible. And I think after that, every 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 movie with blood in Japan was just like, what if we did it just to the max? I mean, never stop trying to outdo the last person who shot blood all over everything. I mean, like I said, this might have the bloodiest moment in a movie. And I'm just going to say it right now. When she slices that chick in half, like I just sat there and I was like, fuck me. How did you do that? Like, (sighs) I know it's fucking fake, but God damn, that's impressive. It's one of those things where I'm like, I know that how they probably did this, but it's still like so shocking. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you, what's your favorite scene in this movie? That's a very good question. 
I could watch the the opening sequence like a billion times. That's really good um, because it's just a good, just a good fucking way to start a movie. I could also watch that like ending sequence. Well, that was going to be mine if you were going to pick the opening. Yeah, to bookend it. I think they're both really good. I, I mean, I, I'll pick the front. You pick the back. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Let's let's talk about the front. So there are a bunch of guys just walking down a, a walking down a road, and all of a sudden, she shows up with her little umbrella, and they're like, "Get out of the way, bitch!" And she's just like, "Oh, you called the wrong woman, bitch, tonight!" And <laughs> she proceeds to just take all of them apart. And, oh, by the way, we're going to start your training tomorrow. I just need to get a barrel to put you in as well. <laughs> how is oh, that training, yeah. by the way? The training. I always forget how stupid and how much I love the training sequence. Because I'm just like, just this little kid just fucking swinging at flowers. Oh, God, that kid hated it, too. That kid was like, I'm over this. Oh, yeah. But also, too, you're like. You sit there and you're like, that's stupid. That's never going to train them. But then you like, then like five minutes later when she's like lady snowblood and she's killing people, you're like, well, I better go start cutting some flowers. I, I, guess. I better. Damn. Fuck. Shit. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell God. you, maybe, maybe a top five weapon in all the movies we've talked about is the umbrella sword. The umbrella sword is definitely up there. It's just yeah. like the, just the coolest shit. There's only really one other like contender for like this type of movie that I think is is as beautiful and as as well done and that's uh Kurneko, which we'll get to, we'll do Kurneko eventually. Love Kurneko. This movie just as like a pure spectacle is just fucking incredible. It's just like there's so much blood, there's so much just like kind of everything and it like it makes you feel gross. With just, like, how visceral everything is. And yet at the same time, it's so gorgeous looking because what he chooses to have the blood hit is, like, so well thought out. Like, anytime the blood is hitting something, it's not like it's hitting something dark where you can't tell. It's so apparent. And that's such a wonderful touch as an artist. You know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, obviously, like, it's continuing the theme that they keep talking about throughout the movie, which is like, once blood is painted red, like, you can't uh, make it pure again. Yeah. Like, she's never going to be okay. Like, despite the fact if she gets all of her revenge, it's never going to satisfy her. It's one of those movies where it's it's kind of strange that the director didn't really go on to make anything else of much note other than this. This seemed like it was like the perfect moment. Lightning strikes. He makes two Lady Snowblood films. He continued directing. He would go on to be mostly an actor late in life. But like other than this and one of the Stray Cat Rock movies, I really don't know much of like a none of these movies look familiar sometimes that's all it takes though sometimes all you need to do is make one or two movies to cement yourself as a guy that people don't stop talking about think about this we keep talking about the honeymoon killers that guy never made another movie again and yet he made one of maybe the best american movies ever made that's true sometimes all it takes is one like sometimes all you have to do is 
hit at the right moment at the right time with the right project and you cement yourself as a legend. And honestly speaking, if I had made Lady Snowblood, I would have fucking tapped out there. I would have said, cool, I'm just going to go keep getting drinks bought for me in every bar for the rest of my life when I bring up Lady Snowblood. Pretty much, yeah. It's a movie where you make it and you're just like, ah, I've done enough. We watched a movie last night called Me and Orson Welles, which I'm sure you've heard of. And there's a moment in it where they finish what they're doing and Wells kind of looks off and he goes, how am I going to top this one? Like, that's kind of how it feels with this. It's like, it's like, how, how do you outdo it? And I haven't seen the sequel, which I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm very curious to watch the sequel. Maybe in the next cycle of movies, you'll pick it. But there is something to be said about just like how well this movie wells. And I'll say this too, what we haven't talked about, and I think it's going to be the final thing before we get out of here with this one. The ending of this movie is so perfect. Absolutely. I, I love the fact that it starts off with them at a masquerade ball. Mm-hmm. And like before you even get to that masquerade ball, the guy who you thought she had to get revenge on who died at sea comes back and tells like the guy who's kind of interested in Lady Snowblood and says to him like, hey, you leave it alone. I'm back, but I'm a different person now. I'm going to sell guns to like people and I'm going to like ride the high life. And like Lady Snowblood finds out about this. She's like, I'm going to get him. And then she shows up, cuts that dude's arms off, stabs him. And then you're like, oh, it's over. That was quick. And then you're like, aha, just kidding. It's a guy in a mask. And you're like, well, that's fucking weird. Shoink. And then she throws a chair through a window or through like a double windowed glass. And he's on the other side and he fucking books it. And you're like, fuck you. This movie's amazing. What are we doing? The fucking like chair going through the glass and just seeing the other guy just like around the corner and just be like, go fuck. Gotta go. I feel like he was like, I'm going have my own private show to watch this bitch die. And then I'm going to come in in the last moment and be like, it wasn't him at all. It was me, Austin. It was me all along. And then he's like, oh, fuck, she killed him so quickly. That dude's arms are across the room. You know, I thought he put up a little bit of a fight. And it's like, yeah, I mean, like that dude told me he was good at swordplay. He's like, should I test people on their swordplay before this? Yeah, I probably should. And then Lady Snowblood has to fucking kill the guy who's into her and him at the same time to win. Yeah. The guy who is like the manga writer. Yeah. That's an interesting. (laughs) That's an interesting decision. That's the one part of it where it kind of loses a little bit of steam for me is like they feel like they need to have someone there like to tell the story it's like not really like you didn't have that guy there for the first half of the movie why does he need to be there at all uh yeah it's like one of those things where it's just like okay i think it's interesting to have a character like publishing the story and then like her being like what are you doing (laughs) like i think that's interesting but like part of me is just like why does he need to be here I feel like the guy who made this movie like has seen a lot of American movies and was like, there's always kind of like a, a newspaper guy who's always like kind of covering the beat. And it's like, hey, you don't need that here, though. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I like the idea of her having a friend. I just like, I'm just like, this is yes. guys writing a manga. It's good. It is. I like the movie. I think the I think it works. Oh, it works pretty well in the movie, but I'm still also just like, you could have done. You could have. You could have done with it. You know. You don't need it. You didn't need it. Yeah, I know how you feel. I think you got a couple of questions for me. I do. What movie would you pair this with? 
I'd probably pair this with just Kill Bill Volume 1. I mean, the amount of things ripped off from it are just so blindingly. And also, too, it's a great little almost like film project or film study for someone who's never seen it. Yeah. I mean, it, the Kill Bill really starts ripping it off about halfway through Kill Bill. So, yeah. Gotta sit through a lot of movie before you, you start to being like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Um, what's your elevator pitch? You want to watch like a five foot nothing Japanese woman just cut her way through like 40 different people and literally cut another person in half while that person is hanging. This is Lady Snowblood. Hell yeah. You can leave your money at the door. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm there. Ben, first up. First time seeing I mean, this. What do you give Lady it was, Snowblood? It was going to be four, but after talking about it, I'm going to remove half a star from our next movie and give it to this. So it's like four and a half out of five. First time I saw it, I rated it four stars. Second time I saw it, knowing what's going to happen, being able to fast forward through stuff that I've already seen once, the one specific scene, I give it five stars. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that. There's a pretty brutal, like, sexual assault it's sequence. It's not great. <laughs> no. But, I mean, at the same time, too, the movie can't really happen without it. So it's, it's one of those things where you're like, God, I wish that Lady Snowblood didn't have to do these things. But also, here we are. I would prefer if it wasn't there, but it was also like it was the style of the time. Yes. Yeah. It does seem like movies of this time in Japan, especially like at least one person is getting sexually assaulted no matter what. Tokyo Drifter has this. Yeah. 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 Tokyo Drifter does. Yeah. It was like weirdly, not weirdly. I'm not going to say weirdly, but it, it's stop it is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You stop that. Yeah. Go back in time and stop it. All of Ugh. everybody who's done it, you stop you stop that right now. I don't think we should waste any more time. We should probably move on to our next movie. And our next movie comes from 1990 and is about a beautiful felon sentenced to a life in prison for murder of a policeman. Luckily for her, she's given a second chance as a secret political assassin controlled by the government. This is, of course, the movie that stars Anne Parliard and is directed by known French creep, Luc Besson. This is one of the movies that first broke him big in America, known as Nikita, or as it was later retitled, La Femme Nikita. Bonne soirée. Merci. À ton avenir. 
Maintenant. Il est chargé. Six balles en titane et un chargeur en plus en cas de nécessité. Je comprends pas. Derrière toi, il y a une table de trois personnes. Une femme en robe orange et deux hommes en costume clair. L'un est garde du corps, l'autre est un homme important. Il faut l'abattre. Deux balles minimum. Quand tu as fini, tu descends dans les toilettes des hommes. Dans la dernière cabine, il y a une petite fenêtre où seule une femme peut passer. Tu tomberas dans une cour intérieure. Il y a ensuite un grand couloir qui t'emmène dans la rue. Une voiture t'y attend depuis environ deux minutes. Il t'en reste encore trois. Tu es gentil, tu attends que je sois sorti. This is. It's weird you pick this and yet like you're like you're now doing this. Yeah, I, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, oh man, Lefemikita is a good movie. I'm gonna watch that. And then like I put the thing together, I watched the movie, and then I was like, oh right, oh this guy, oh oh no. I feel like oh, this is before he becomes no. a creep though. It. <sighs> I mean, the next movie is Leon the Professional, which I, know. I don't think yeah. we're ever going to do on the podcast. And as much as I like that movie, too, in spots, like I think parts of that movie are great. Like, I think that might be a low key top five Gary Oldman movie. It's a pretty good movie. It's also a movie in light of what we've known and the allegations that have come forth about Luke Besson. It really reframes not really it shouldn't reframe things that movie's got a weird vibe regardless anyway he also married an actress mila jovovich after the fifth element when she was 21 he was 38 and they had their own little secret language which you're like oh, oh. that's also really bad um yeah what but I we're guess, here to talk about Lafemme Nikita. We're here to talk about Lafemme Nikita. Um, Luke Besson, a horrible man, did bad things. Just, you know, bad person. I did not buy this movie anywhere. Ben owned it and I rented it. It's fine. He gets no money from this. If, if it makes you feel better, I also didn't buy the DVD of this. It was given to me by someone who's getting rid of all their Blu-rays and DVDs. And I was like, fuck it. Lafemme Nikita is a good action movie. I'm going to own that. Perfect. Um, yeah. God, he looks like a toad. He he looks... He's the most Frenchman to ever look, you know? <laughs> Literally that scene in The Simpsons where the... the I think it's a Treehouse of Horror episode where the French bomb Springfield because the mayor makes some ethnic joke about, like, frog's legs. And they're all laughing when they push the bomb and you see their throats coming out like frogs. Like, that's what Luc Besson looks like. He, yeah, he's got a... He's got a got a real look to him. He Enough does. about Luke Besson, bad guy, made, I would say, about a dozen fairly good movies. That's and the worst part, isn't it? That he did make, like, a dozen fairly good movies. Hey, man, I've, as someone who had Valerian and City of 10,000 Planets in his fucking best of the year list the year it came out, uh, you know, yeah, it really sucks. And I mean, I'll say it as a like non-franchised like sci-fi movie. I think the Fifth Element is in like the top ten of those. 
Oh, it's fucking so good. Big Blue is also it really is. good. It's a beautiful movie. I mean, Subway. Yeah. He made a lot of good movies. And I think as a culture, we need to just be like, yeah, he sucks. He really sucks. Lean on the Professional yeah. is a movie I can never watch again. But man, Fifth Element, Lefemme Nikita, pretty good. Lefemme Nikita. The movie opens up with these four people, excuse me, five people, because one of them's being carried by their jacket being dragged behind one of them to go to this drug store. That's so funny. That it's might my, be my favorite image of the movie. It's a, it's up there for me as well. And they break into this drug store because they need drugs is what I assume. And then all of a sudden, like, 17 cops show up and you're like well this is going to end with these guys all giving up nope they all just go out in a blaze of glory except for her Nikita she's just sitting there she's just chilling well she's fucking doped out of her mind clearly absolutely that's how I would yeah that's fair and she basically like when the cop when all the fucking like all the fucking smoke clears the cops are walking around and one of them finds her and she has a gun on her and she fucking pops this cop and she's the only one left alive. So she kind of gets done for the whole thing. And they basically say, yeah, you're going to be sentenced to, I guess, like life in prison, basically. No, it's death. Yeah. What am I saying? It's there's, they're, yeah, they're sent. No, they're sent to life in prison. But that's right. She does something and they take her away and they fake her death. And they make it look like she overdosed, I think. Yes. <laughs> and they wake her ass up, and there's this guy sitting there who's played by Tishike Cairo, who plays Bob. And he is there, and he says, like, hey, like, you got two options. We can just, you know, double tap you in the back of the head, or you can come work for us. We're a government agency. You don't really need to know who, and... You're just going to kind of be a point man. We can see that you kind of have that killer instinct. And she gets his gun away from him and then basically like tries to walk out. And he says, no, no. He goes like, you're not going to get out of here. They're going to kill you. He goes, just work with me on this. He takes the gun back from her, pops her once in the leg. And he says, there you go. That ought to clip your wings for a minute or two. And you're like, wow, what a prick. Ow. Yeah. Ow. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a real shithead. And yet they kind of make it sort of believable that she has feelings for him. You know, it's weird when he poses as her uncle. It seems like that is kind of what she becomes. Yeah. Like it almost becomes like almost a father like figure. And then the next like 20 to 30 minutes of the movie is a big training sequence of her getting ready to go out into the world. And I'll say it, there are some great bits throughout there. Yeah. Yeah. The training segments or a lot of fun. And I think, I think the, the movie just also like visually looks very different to what was happening at the time. The look really reminds me of shopping weirdly enough. Cause I think, I do mm. think Paul W. Sanderson is kind of like a Luke Besson type. A lot of neon lights, a lot of saturation. And it's interesting to think of what little movie we would have gotten in between had he not done just immediately jumped into Mortal Kombat. It makes me wonder, because I feel like unlike his other movies where it feels like he's got more going on finance wise, 
this feels so stripped down comparatively to most of his other movies. It does. It's very simple in the way that that Luke Besson's earlier movies are. Like Subway is got a lot going on, but it's a fairly simple story. The Big Blue, again, a lot going on, but it's like a big blockbuster swing. La Femme Nikita is it's interesting because I think between this and like hard boiled and bullet in the head and like the John Woo stuff that was happening at the same time. I think like you look at those two things and you're just like, this is what fucking action movies for the next decade in America are going to look like. It's very true. And the thing that I really dig about it too is, is that not unlike the John Woo movies, everything that isn't the action feels so sparing. And it feels like it's almost like he saved everything he needed for those action sequences. And I appreciate him for that. Like every time you're in an action sequence, you're like, this is first rate. This is as good as anything I've seen today. Probably better because I'm not seeing a bunch of fake CGI and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's also really punchy. And I think that's one of the reasons why it feels so visceral. I keep using words like punchy and visceral, but there's just a way it's got, it's got that, spirit. It's got spirit. There's just a way that the it's shot that just feels I don't know. It just captures the energy of the main character and the people around her very well. And especially in those like sparse scenes that you're talking about. You do get everyone's conflicting feelings and emotions because like she has a fiance who doesn't like Bob being around and kind of doesn't know what's going on. And then, you know, so the movie really takes, I think the movie's a little slow. It is a little slow, but also too, I feel like you need to have those slow moments to kind of give you the feelings that Nick, Kita is having, which is that this job is just grinding her down. Like, because even at the end of the day, when she is like this perfect weapon and she is this spunky little fighter who's going to do whatever she can, the job itself is not something she wants to do because at the end of the day, she's not a real killer. The guy you meet later on near the end of the movie, played by Jean Renault, is a fucking killer. Yeah. <laughs> Jean Reno, I think you don't see him early in the movie. I think that was just me, my weird Blu-ray that I ran in, just showing him off way too early in the fucking menu. But, yeah. man, when he comes in, it's like, oh, right. Jean Reno was in a lot of these movies. And he comes in just with, like, a full two fists of ham. He's so good, though. Like, that's the thing. It's like, oh, you sit there and you're like, oh, no wonder he fucking made a whole movie for this guy next. Like, it yeah. totally makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Like, yeah, as much as that one part of it doesn't, like, hold up and is just downright terrible, like, Jean Renault is a fucking star in the making. He, he's, yeah. There's a reason why Jean Renault, like, crosses over. And, I mean, it has to do a little bit with Bassan and mm -hmm. Leon the Professional. But he's also just magnanimous. Like, he is just incredible in this movie. As soon as you see him, like, if I was an American art house film goer, I probably would have been like, ooh, man. Ooh. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the movie basically is three acts. When she gets busted to the training, life in the real world, the last kind of mission. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I think my favorite part, I think my one of my favorite parts is just her kind of like trying to get out into the real world after she's let out and just trying to balance like real life with her job. Like the, I, you feel so bad for Marco. Yeah. Marco is a real, he's also a guy who I seen in a bunch of stuff. I know he's in Betty blue. Oh, he's in that awful movie coming Zoe. Oh boy. But he's also like a guy where I'm just like, who are you? Like, I know you. He's been a bunch of stuff. I think I probably know him from Taking Lives, which is not a good movie that people. Ethan Hawke. Yeah. 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 I've never seen it. I just know the cover. I just know the cover. It was at that time where they were doing all those like R rated erotic thrillers that were all just like kind of the same. It was less. It was past the like erotic thriller era and was more in the let's just adapt a fucking horrible like airport thriller era because you had that you had like gothica is another movie that's like kind of in the same vein Um, and the cut seems to fall in there too i feel like in the cut but in the cut's good Um, See, it's a movie i've heard is not good you're like one of the few people who says that in the cut is good, but this might also be, huh. you know, 2007 Tyler, dog Jane Campion <laughs> loving Tyler. What's so weird about Taking Lives is it's directed by the guy who directed The Salton Sea, which is like a fucking great movie. <laughs> the um, fucking Val Kilmer movie? Yeah. Weird. Yeah, that was his first movie. And then he's gone on to do Damn. Disturbia, Eagle Eye, <laughs> I Am Number Four, Inside, Standing Up. The Disappointments Room, XXX2, The Return of Xander Cage, Redeem... Oh, actually, that's the third one. Redeeming Love, Shut In. Dude! Wait, did you say Redeeming Love or Enduring Love? No, Redeeming Love. Okay, I was going to say Enduring Love. love Whips. I was going to say, I love Enduring Love, but okay. Yeah, wow, that is just a guy who started off so strong and then was like, I got nothing else. They might as well let me keep making movies. Yeah, I I ran out of ideas. I mean, Disturbia is good disturbia is a disturbia is a a fucking like goddamn. it's another example of like i don't need you to remake the fucking movie that was already better called rear window i don't, That's I don't true. need that hey, shit. Hey man i'm always gonna enjoy a good riff on hitchcock anyway true. very true <laughs> anyway la femme nikita um yeah yeah markers of sad character uh john hughes and 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 galde is a great actor He's in stuff. Your dog's not happy we're talking about Bassan. You can hear him. I don't like it. I don't like you talking about him. He's a queep. Professional queep. He is a professional creep. I agree with you, Ashy. Yes. What is your favorite scene in this movie? Oh, uh, that opening shoot. Again, the opening. The opening shootout is just so good. I think when she tries to make her escape is also a really fun little moment. I love the scene where she kind of graduates and they go to dinner. That's and like she it. thinks it's she thinks it's one thing and then like he hands her a present and she's like oh my god he got me a present and then it's a fucking gun and he's like across the way from you you got to execute those four people run out the back we'll be waiting for you and you're just like you fucking dick and she's so mad at him afterwards too she's just like i thought we were going out and he's like well no you work for us this is purely business 
It is. Before we get to the next two questions, I wanted to ask you a, just a separate question. Have you ever seen Point of No Return from 1993? Who's in that? It's Bridget Fonda. I've seen the cover, but I've never seen it. Okay, I was going to say, riding high off a single white female and singles. And Gabriel Byrne. And also, Ooh, Dermot Mulrooney. Nah. And also, Anne Bancroft. Interesting. Is it a and remake also, of this? It is a remake of this. And also, I knew it. Harvey Keitel. Is Harvey Keitel play the John Renault character? He plays the cleaner, yes. And you also have... That's fantastic. Miguel Ferrer. Interesting. I might have to watch Point of No Return. There's a lot of people I like in that. Yeah, it sounds like it should work. Who directed it? John Badham, who I I was like, I don't know who that is, but he directed Saturday Night Fever, War Games, Blue Thunder, Short Circuit, Stakeout, Drop Zone. <laughs> I mean, you you said Saturday Night Fever. That's one of the most famous movies of the 70s. I mean, yeah. like, that's, that's enough. And War Games is fucking fun. War Games is fun. He directed Whose Life Is It Anyway, which is a movie that I I do like. I do like that movie. Come at me if you want. Short Circuit, which has not aged particularly well. Uh, Stakeout, which I'm assuming has also aged particularly similarly. The buddy cop movie Hard Way, starring James Woods and Michael J. Fox. That sounds cursed. Uh, <laughs> it really it, does. And Drop Zone. Have you heard of Drop Zone? No. What is Drop Zone? I'm going to give you two stars. Wesley Snipes, Gary Busey. When a U.S. Marshal has to break up a drug Sold. smuggling gang, he has to take to the skies. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm there. Yeah, what are you fucking high? That sounds amazing. That sounds incredible. Anyway. And it really uh, depends when it's Gary Busey as well. That could even that could either make it good. Or if it's after the head injury, it could make it great. Buddy, I believe it's after the head injury. <laughs> oh, I'm fucking there. It's oh, yes, it post is. Post Point Break. Yeah, um, it's definitely. So it's way past it. But, I mean, he still has Lost Highway under his belt. Like, he's still a good actor at the time. Anyway. Oh, no, there's no, no shade against Gary Busey. He's a wonderful actor, especially if you put him in the right stuff. It's just so funny to think like that Gary Busey at one point was on track to be like, one of those great character actors. Another guy with allegations, so we're not gonna. No, no. we're not gonna praise him too much. No, no, we are not. What would you? We've talked about a couple of movies. I know what I would pair this with, but what would you pair this with? Let's see. What's a movie that kind of plays on the concept of the assassin? You know what? Assassins, actually. Like that's another movie that kind of like that doesn't nail. What, what were you going to say? Uh, Grace Zabisky is also in Drop Zone. Oh, there you go. Uh, she's from Twin Peaks. She is oh, nice. Laura Palmer's mother. Oh, nice. Oh, she's good. Yeah. But yeah, I would say Assassins, the one by Richard Donner. It doesn't work 100%, but neither does this. So they're kind of both like beautiful comparisons of movies that at times really work, especially during the action. But the plot is a little meandering. A little meandering. Yeah, the movie's a little yeah. long. It could, honestly, it's an hour 57. If that movie was an hour, like, 25, that movie would be so good. I think it uh, I think it would I, It would nail what it's trying to nail. 
Yeah, I think it's a little too shaggy. I think it needed to be a little bit more like a subway. You know, like maybe an hour 40. It just needs like, yeah, it just needs literally like 20 minutes shaved off of it. Maybe even 30. What is your, what is it? Elevator pitch for this movie. What is your elevator pitch for this movie? Do you want to see like a movie that like kind of also, as much as it helps one really creepy guy, it also simultaneously kind of kicks off the concept of like action movies in the 90s, especially like what action movies will look like in America in the 90s. It's La Femme Nikita. It's a good movie. Keep yeah, saying it. Really it. Keep saying it. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And what do you give uh La Femme Nikita? La Femme Nikita, I I you know, I keep saying it's a good movie. I'm going to uh, I think, the, I think the conversation might have bumped it up a half a star. I think I'm going to give it three and a half out of five. That's fine. I was I was originally going to knock it down to three to take that half star to give it to Ladies Noble, but I'm talking about it now. I'm like, yeah, it's three and a half. It's That's perfectly reasonable. I think three and a half is a good like, Yeah, I think it's exactly where it'll stay. I don't think it'll ever raise again. I don't know if I'll ever watch this again, but I think it's a good movie. If someone asked me, is La Femme Nikita worth watching? I'd be like, yeah, if you want to see like what a good action 90s action movie, like a really good version of it is, yeah, watch it. I think there will be a time when I'm like, yeah, let's throw on La Femme Nikita. You know, like, who's going to, who's it going to hurt? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, maybe. You know what? Yeah, no, I'll probably watch it again. There you go. Before you watch that again, I just have to ask the question of what are we watching next week? Well, Benjamin, next week. Um, next week, we're going someplace I don't think we've ever gone as a podcast. And we are going to jolly old Soviet Union. And we're going to take a look at two World War II films um, from a couple that at one point was husband and wife. Um, first movie we're going to look at let me... Oh wait, no, we're not. No, we're not. It's episode oh, one sixty nine. No. Oh damn it! Yeah. Well, so, send gotta, me the list. Gotta... I guess I'll pick one, or you can pick one. I don't fucking care. We'll both pick one. How about that? Let's do that. Oh, it's on. It's on the thing. It's at the bottom. Oh. Yeah. It's uh. It's right after future Mount Rushmore's. La da 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 da. List. I got mine. You got yours? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> fucking wonderful. Whatever this is. So, guys, for next week, since it's the nines, we're each going to pick one. And I guess I'll start. And our first movie we're going to talk about comes from 2005. And is a little movie that would take Christopher Nolan from being a guy who made a couple of interesting thrillers to a motherfucking household name that for everyone for the rest of time would recognize. That's right, guys. We are going to talk about the first in his Batman trilogy. We are going to look at 2005's Batman Begins. And then from uh, we're going to go back in time to 1989, I think. And we're going to go watch. They live. We're watching They well, Live, guys. Ben. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. A movie that I don't think Ryan at the theater has seen, and I'll try to get him to watch as well, just to, to get his thoughts on. 
It is. It is a fun movie. So, guys, for next week, 1989's They Live and 2005's Batman Begins. Two movies that could only happen on the nines because what the fuck do those two movies have in common with each other? There's a wrestling scene in both of them, I think. I think you are correct. There is a wrestling scene in both of them. I think there is well, a wrestling guys, scene in Batman Begins, right? I, I, you know what? I'm going to say for the purposes of argument, yes, there is. Well, guys... For next week, those two movies. And of course, you can follow us at TWGTFPod on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at MovieLovingLucci87. You can follow me on Letterboxd at EmptyCritic87. Tyler, is there anywhere they can follow you? They can follow me into a lifetime uh, in prison where I will be put down and then trained as a some kind of super spy. That's a shame. Naomi would probably miss you. Ash Naomi would be ambivalent. Uh, but, Ash, would, you know. Ash would be fine. Ash would be like, at least mom's still here. That's fine. Now I get to have 80% of the bed to myself. You think he gets uh, up on the bed? Uh-huh. Yeah, all right. Well, once you're gone, he does. That's true. Once yeah. I'm gone, Naomi immediately buys a bed. That's that's short for him <laughs> to jump up on. He's like, she, go, she bought me stairs. <laughs> bought me little stairs to go he up on. He bought him stairs, and he didn't use them ever. I, d- I just didn't want to use them for you. I, I use them for mom when you're not home. It's a, it's a will settle fuck you to you. I don't know why, but the concept of your dog just like giving you no respect gives me no end of joy. Absolutely doesn't give me any respect. Just I know. Just walk all over me. <laughs> Quite literally and physically. Yeah. I tell you, the cat got up on the bed the other night and just sat on my head and i was just like fuck off i was like who do you think you are you're, i was like you i don't fucking pay, pay the rent. bills here yeah exactly. you don't pay rent in this place exactly i was like i was like hmm can i give a cat a cutter i was like i don't know <laughs> rko from the top rope exactly and for twgtf two white guys talking film i've of course been your host ben and i'm burkoff whoever that is and remember, guys, if you come to our little video box around the way and you see a woman in a bikini with like little cherries on it pointing a gun out a window, well, hopefully you're not a political target because she's probably aiming for you. He won't put up much of a fight. Most of these scientists are pretty lame. I'm an exception. Talking, 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 talking Nami
振り向いた川に遠ざかる旅の日がいてた鶴は動かず泣いた雨と風冷えた水もにほつれ髪涙さえ見せないじゃの目の傘ひとつ恨みの道を行く女心はどうに捨てましい